I want to change that. I want to create like that shift of, wait, no, I can be involved. I can be empowered. I can run for local office. I can, I can, you know, there are other people on my side who are moving to places of power and we mm -hmm. can do that together and we don't have to live in destitute. Welcome to Activist NNT, a podcast about real-world economics, including modern money theory, and how life changes when you discover it. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today I talk with Ramona Masachi, a year after our first conversation in episodes 47 and 48. Early last year, we worked together to introduce dozens of federal candidates to MMT by coordinating and scheduling them with private sessions with PhD economists. Now for November 2022, we are overwhelmed with candidates who already know MMT. It's time to take the theory and start applying it to the real world. In addition, it's also time to start preparing for being in office and remaining true to yourself and all of your constituents while there. This is something our electoral and campaign finance systems try very hard to stop. The system corrupts even the best of us. For these reasons and more, Ramona and I have decided to start a series of interviews with these MMT candidates. Our goals are to better understand how they will get into office how they will manage once in, and what specifically do they need from us as supporters, from their fellow MMT candidates, and from MMT academics. Ramona and I talk about the 2022 campaign and what she hopes to get out of these candidate interviews and what she hopes for them to contribute. For publicity, for learning, and for creating a community of candidates that can get in, hit the ground running, and prevent being deceived by, among other things, false economics. The candidate interviews are hosted by Ramona with me as her co-host. After we're done recording, I take care of the editing and post-production. The current plan is to release these interviews with a higher priority than my normal weekly episodes. However, since candidate interviews are only around an hour, my hope is that the normal episodes won't be too disrupted. There will be many primaries in the coming months, with the general election in November 2022. It's time. As I write these words, we've already scheduled seven MMT candidates. If you're a candidate and would like to be interviewed by Ramona, please contact her directly on Twitter at Ramona Masachi, or me at activistmmt at gmail.com. If there's a candidate you'd like for us to interview, then please let us, or them, know. If you like what you hear, then I hope you might consider becoming a monthly patron of Activist MMT. 
patrons get early access to every episode and super early access to many. They also get the opportunity to ask my academic guests questions and support the development of my large and growing collection of Learn MMT resources, which you can find at activistmmt.org. To become a patron, you can start by going to patreon.com slash activistmmt. Every little bit helps a little bit, and it all adds up to a lot. Thanks. And now, on to my conversation with Ramona Masachi. Enjoy. Hello, Ramona. Hello, Jeff. It has been a year since I've spoken to you in recorded public fashion. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course, of course. So, so we spoke last year and a lot has happened since we last spoke. You are like much like your knowledge of MMT has really deepened. And so I wanted to talk with you and see, you know, what what has changed? Like your 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 view of, you know, society and and your your work with MMT candidates and just to catch up with you. So thank you so much for coming on again. So um, I have gotten to a place where I I understand. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Does that make sense? Whereas before I I didn't know what I didn't know. Ah. So it's like when you're going when you're going senile, but you know you're going senile, which is very different from you're going senile, but you don't know you're going senile. Exactly. So, okay. so I understand how much I'm able to absorb and retain, and I also understand uh, what parts of finance are still a little out of my reach. Okay. But I still keep asking questions. Um, And so I'm figuring through the, just like learning MMT, through the repetition of reading and listening to people talk, you know, finally it clicks. So, so so give, so give us, so give an example of like what, what is, uh, you know, something that you, that has changed your thinking since last year. So in the beginning, when I first started to understand MMT, I still, you know, I couldn't believe everything could, is really that simple, that, that the, the federal government can enact policy, put money, create money towards that policy, and then there's no, there's, no, there's nothing that's going to kind of set that back unless there's a lack of physical resources to maintain that policy. Mm-hmm. I always thought there must be some kind of a catch-22 like that I'm missing. Okay. Like, there must be something that, that's there. It can't be that simple, right? Mm-hmm. And so now I realize, wait, no, it really is that simple. We really can enact any policies we want and create any kind of significant change we want as long as the resources are there to maintain it. That makes perfect sense. And it's... it's. Uh... I feel very uh, hopeful and optimistic as about what is possible. Like we can do, we can do good things. That is like totally obvious that we can do whatever good things are physically possible. We can do them, which means that we could basically 
stop a large amount of suffering if we re- if we wanted to. So I'm optimistic about that. I am pessimistic that people are going to choose to do it. What, what do you think about that? So, so I I I understand um, being pessimistic about it actually being enacted, but I still have not come to a place where I would allow myself to give up hope. Because if I allow myself to say, well, all of this knowledge is out there, you know, uh, and it's knowledge that's not coming from like somebody like me, (laughs) who's an artist, it's actually coming from people who um, have PhDs and have been working in economics economics for decades and have been part of the, the, the United States government. And so it's coming from people that are within that, you know, um, academic or political structure and or political structure. And so I feel that if we have that representation there, right, on a solid platform, then people will start listening, and the people that I really want to start listening aren't necessarily the people that are in office now, <laughs> um, because I think many of them have ulterior motives to not listen. So what's important to me is getting the people that are running for different positions of office, whether it's um, a, a federal position or a state position, to fully understand this. And so... Everybody that I have, you know, the hundreds of candidates that I have spoken to and said, okay, you know, read Stephanie Kelton's book or a lot of them are like, I already did, Mm. you know, I've already read it. It's fascinating. I'm, I'm a hundred percent, you know, I totally understand MMT as much as I possibly can. And I'm a hundred percent behind this. And, and so I see with the candidates that are running for office, um, a huge shift in in knowledge. And I feel like MMT started with a few people, you know, like you could count on your hands how many people understood MMT to, you know, if it's not hundreds of thousands, it's millions of people understand this knowledge. And I, I think there's 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 that that huge shift that's happening where people that even understand the knowledge are going through what I went through in the beginning of that like that little bit of a confusion of like it can't be this simple you mm-hmm. know and so i think that's a huge leap because that means that people are actually looking at it and reading it and listening and researching on their own and once you can get you know, candidates to do that themselves, to, to, to open that curiosity. And, and they're at least starting out with an intent to, you know, I want to help my community. I've been dedicating my life to volunteering for my community and I want to take the next step. So how do I do this? And, and if, they're, if they're going out and they're doing that research themselves, on their own, that that's a lot. I mean, I, and so my 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 hope. Um, I'm extremely optimistic. Well, I think I think the pessimism is about is is about 
that people don't choose to do it substantially because they don't they believe the false economics. That's number one. And there's a lot of people that believe false economics. So the hope is in that is in informing those people about real economics so so that that foundation would be changed and hopefully their their views would be changed. That's that's a lot, that's a big road to hoe road to hoe, but that is a, that's you know there's there's no alternative to that. Right, but I think I think if you're relying on the people that are already in power to be able to do that, it, it's a little difficult because they they have motives to not hear or care or listen. Right, that that's sure. not feeding their pockets. Yeah, no, of course you have to focus on who's open minded. You have to focus on well, who who can we replace. <laughs> that that actually understands this and is able to implement it in not Congress. just under, not just understands it, but wants to. Right, right, and is going out there and reading the research for themselves. You know, right. is is joining the the discussions um, right. that like Pavlino puts together or that Fadel puts together. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and and I'm excited about that. And so, there's something that I want to create. So I'm putting it out into the universe that I'm creating this. <laughs> so I want to create something where we have all of these candidates already, right? So there's, there's, there's a lot of activists that I've joined together with who understand um, each congressional district. They understand, you know, who was running, who is running, who has a chance to win, they, they, they're, they're taking all of these things into account and they've collected hundreds of candidates. So, so just by being part of this whole activist you know, movement that we have online, I've been seeing all of these candidates that are on spreadsheets you know, and there's different people. Some people are just doing state candidates. Some people just do federal candidates. So all these candidates are out there mm-hmm. and... And so my vision is to basically take, you know, separate the federal from the state and have the candidates come to um, different talks, um, online talks with um, policy writers. Like we'd have Rohan Gray come and speak with all of these candidates about Mint the Coin and how that works. We would Mm -hmm. have Pavlina come and speak about how federal jobs guarantee works. And so all of these candidates kind of sort of know about each other because a lot of them are in, we put them in DM, DM groups together online. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're advising each other on their candidacy and how to run their, their candidacy with, mm-hmm. within each other. And so there's a trust building. So I'm hoping that I'm, we're going to bring that to the next level where not only are they able to build that, those alliances and that trust with, with each other, but they're able to do that with the policy writers and the economists that are bringing that vision forward. And so we connect the dots before they even get elected. So they're coming into Congress or into a a state seat with that whole backing of, listen, I have the research, I have the knowledge, and I know where to go to if I have a question or if I need to understand something or if I need help to push a policy. And so that I think that's the next step 
in the the MMT progressive movement. That's that's pretty smart. So last year, you and I were working together, introducing candidates to MMT by scheduling them with economists. So you were we were basically teaching them theory. They were learning theory, which is important, very important. But now what you're doing is you're taking that theory and you're direct you're you're immediately. I guess, yeah, you're immediately applying that theory to the real world for a candidate, for a future, uh, a future elected official. And, yeah. and you're giving them resources that they genuinely will need once they are in office to be able to apply that theory to their, to the world. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, um, so a modern money network, um, on Andreas Bernal, he just, uh, started to put together something. And so, um, I was watching and all of these, um, researchers and policy writers were very excited. <laughs> and I said, well, if they're excited, that means that they will participate and I don't have to, um, email them or, you know, DM them. And that, that was my issue. My issue was that I felt like I was an annoyance because here I am like DMing or, or emailing Fadl or, or Rohan or Stephanie. And it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, doing pieces and I'm kind of like, feel like I'm wasting your time. I don't want to, I don't want to have 16 candidates meet you. I don't want to do pieces. I want the whole enchilada, you know? And so I'm hoping that I'll come to a place where the whole enchilada is there. We have 300 candidates on a call and they're all learning and they're, they're all discussing and they're all meeting each other and they're meeting, you know, the policy writers. So once they come into a position of power, we have a force, we have a structure, we have legs, stability, community to carry them through. Yeah. Right. And I think that's so important because they have so many policies that they want to enact, like um, like uh, public housing. And so, and so, from my perspective, it's like yes, we need to house everyone. But if you're housing people and they're not able to develop wealth through their property, then what's the point? Right? Mm-hmm. They're they're still kind of stuck, you know, because they're they're in a home, they're not on the street. People don't just need a home; they need a job. They need. Uh, a community, they need support. They need support. It, it, yes, you have to give people a home, but obviously a person needs a lot more than that. So you need to immediately address those things that are obviously going to come up. Yeah, it's interesting. And also the the, the ability to have a, a job that pays a living wage where they're able to purchase a home at a price that is affordable. And so not only do they have a job, they also have a home which they're building, you know, their nest egg, their family on. Hmm. And so so that that whole whole division of poverty is completely eliminated because you've addressed every issue, whether it's from... uh, um, an addiction perspective or a mental health perspective or a job training perspective or an education perspective, all of these have to kind of, everything has to work together. 
There, there, it's not, it's not like, okay, you, you give the person a home and you give them some money and like all is good and you can just walk away. No, they, they still have nothing. They still like, don't, they still don't, they're still not part of society fully yet. Yeah. It's exactly, you know, this is exactly the same as we need to raise the minimum wage. Yeah, we do. We need to raise the minimum wage, but if you raise it in a vacuum without changing anything else, then that just shifts the kind of abuse that you, that they, that the workers get. Now they have a great wage, but they're abused in other ways by, by, uh, you know, their lowered benefits or their lowered hours or whatever. Or, or higher act- rent. Or actual, just actual abuse, actual right. physical abuse, you know, having to work like a robot, even if you're hurt or, you know, no air conditioning, you know, you, you're, you can still be abused even if you're wage goes up. That doesn't mean it is critical for wages to go up. But the point is, is that this is a much broader issue than just wage. And, and exactly what you're saying that this is, yes, giving people a home is a huge thing to do, but that doesn't address the whole person and the world in which that person exists. Correct. Yeah. And so that's why I love the federal jobs guarantee. Because in, you know, in my mind, in a perfect world, <laughs> um, that, that, that incentive, a federal jobs guarantee, would go to every community, right? It wouldn't just go to cities. It wouldn't just be handed over to a mayor. It would go to a local community, and then the local community would decide what they're going to do with that money and what kind of jobs that community needs. And so when you build when you build community that way, it's kind of like we're going back to um, the, the time when where, where natives lived in community, where they mm. all helped each other and they they helped raise each other's children and they helped feed each other. And so there was like this whole support system. And so when I look at the federal jobs mm. guarantee, I look at it as, as, as coming back to our roots, coming back to the earth and how to create that within each community for the needs of that community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two things. Um, actually two things, but before I say them, let me just run and grab a pencil. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like, while you're talking, I'm like reminding myself on different fingers of what I want to remember. So screw that. I've got a pencil, so I don't have to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's easier. Um, Yeah. And I'm like, so I'm focusing on these things, but I'm trying to listen to you. I'm like, now I'm just write it down. All right. So two things. Um, Number one, a job guarantee would address so like when you raise a minimum wage it's in a vacuum and and it doesn't address you know it's it's critical to raise a minimum wage but it doesn't address the core issue there's something much deeper that the problem is the federal job guarantee is is as deep as we can go to address all issues it doesn't address all issues but it's as deep as we can go to address as many as possible at the same time which would you know, which would for, cause the wage to go up, which would cause benefits to, to they, it would stop a lot of, uh, it would stop a lot of uh, abuse. It would stop a lot of, uh, what do you call it? Explo- exploitation. 
in a lot of different ways. So, so, so that's number one. And then number two is I just learned, I, I mean, I barely know anything, but I just learned that, you know, Native Americans didn't, they owned the, not owned, but they, there was no concept of owning before we came along, but they, their, their land was considered the community land. It wasn't considered, you know, an individual owns this land. So when we, when the westward expansion happened, you know, we mowed over the Indians and Native, Native Americans and just took it from them. The, the, the documentaries pretend that no one was there and manifest destiny it was like, you know, it's, it's ours for the taking, you know, ignore we, the people. Well, we brutally, we brutally murdered them. Of course, of course. <laughs> and then, and then right, took over we, their land. Right. We man, but manifest destiny is that this, all this, all this land is there for the taking as if there's no one there, you know, just pretending no one's there keeping that part quiet. So, so yeah, we took it from them, but in addition to taking it from them, I learned that, we forced them to stop having communal land and we split those we split those lands apart and gave each individual a piece of it so each of them would own their own little piece of land meaning destroying the concept of community and in addition to uh assimilate them to make them more American, to dress them up like an American, to cut their hair like an American, to clean their face, to not have like, you know, face paint or whatever, to make them look like an American, to take away who they are. Um, but the part that the part that reminded that you reminded me of was to take away the the idea of their land uh, belonging to them as a community. And instead, chopping that land apart and giving each piece to each individual, giving them ownership over a specific, you know, tiny little piece. I don't know. I, that's kind of. Well, that's exactly what they did. But not only did they do that, they also took their children and brought them to school so that they would yep. forget all of the practices that created their community. Yep. You know, like all of that wisdom and knowledge and depth that they, you know, took thousands of years to to gain from being one with the earth was lost so all of that medicine um all of that that those those spiritual tribal you know um practices where they would they wouldn't you know if somebody did something wrong they wouldn't shame them they would basically tell them all of the good things that they have done and all of the, the good deeds and, and good thoughts and, and good actions that they have created in their lives and bring them back mm-hmm. to that light. Positive and, focus instead of negative focus. Right. And so, so basically, I feel, so the way, the way I view MMT, which is very outside the box, the way I view it, is I don't view MMT as just an, you know, economic research and academic research. I view it as us being able to come back to our roots of what internal stability is for humankind in a way that 
people that are very arrogant <laughs> and full of themselves are able to receive. Because you're not able to come to somebody who, you know, well, I, I have this much money and I've had, you know, this much education and I've worked here and I've worked there and, you know, I'm all big and powerful and look at me. You know, we have a lot of that going on. Um, so you're not able to bring them to the knowledge from a place of, why don't you sit down and, and do some meditation? Or why don't you go on some spiritual retreat? You know, they're not going to come back to that because they're so far removed. So you have to come at them from a place where they're able to attain the information. And when you come at a place from from peer-reviewed research or from from data, then they're able to look at that data and maybe be able to absorb it. Mm-hmm. And so and so what what I want to do is instead of going to to you know those people that are, are so hard to already convince to bring in new people who are desperate for for change because they see the suffering and the suffering actually affects them most most of the people i at least i live around you know in new jersey um they don't really feel the suffering they're very removed from that they're they're living their lives and you know they have their homes and they have their kids and they have their health care and they have their partying and whatever it is that they have the system is working for them Mm-hmm. And so they're not really affected by the suffering. They don't see it. And so it's out of, out of sight, out of mind. So we, we have, we have a, a, a nice, I think, a nice sizable size uh, of a caucus um, in Congress right now that understands MMT. Um, and my question is, like, if, you know, I ran for Congress and actually Ooh. won. <laughs> Um, which would be very difficult in my area. But if I, if I ran for Congress and actually won, so one of the first things I would do is I would get together with everybody, you know, that understands MMT, right? Like Rashida and, and Alexandria and um, Yarmouth. And I would, I would grip, you know, whoever else, right? There's a lot of people that understand it. I would bring them all together and, and I would say, okay, so how can we come together and make this knowledge public? You know, let's hold a, a press conference or let's, and in addition to, let's not only hold a press conference, let's start, start creating public training sessions and get some MMT professor to, to talk to the public about this. Why aren't they taking that next step? Why are they, you know, going, anybody in Congress, anybody in Congress that understands MMT, why are they, were they playing around, you know, not like, Yarmouth will speak about MMT, right? And I'll, repeatedly. So he'll speak about it, but then he'll also speak about how how we need to negotiate with the Republicans because mm. they're worried about this or worried about that. How come they don't just take that next step and just say, listen, this is a bald-faced lie. And Interesting. Let, let's Inter- let everybody know and let's just, let's close the gap. And then we don't have to negotiate with Republicans because we'll have the public behind us. Correct. Hmm. 
I, I don't understand why they don't, they don't, I mean, I know they want to, I mean, I know they care, I know that they're struggling, I know they're frustrated, so why isn't that next steps happening for them? What's stopping them from, from taking that next step? I mean, they, they, they're not taking, uh, most of them are, are not taking any, any, money from the the military industry or the healthcare industry or you know uh the the, the oil industry so so they, they don't have that incentive so they really have nothing to to lose by making this public because you can't you can't well, like if you have are you sure i'm sure because if you have let's say you have 15 people well, let's say you have 15 people in congress that agree to okay let's i'll 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 do this with you right? You have 15 people who come together. What are you going to do? You're going to say all 15 people are kooks and all of them don't know what they're talking about. And none of this research should be um, acknowledged. It should be ignored and just laughed at. You, you'll have a huge pushback uh, against that because it's like, wait, no, we're, we're solid. The 15 of us are together and we're telling you that this is how the economy actually works. And this is what we can provide the American people. And this is what is right now out of our reach because we don't have the resources that we need to build. And so let's start building the resources so we're able to you know, have Medicare for all. Let's let's train the doctors. Let's give free higher education. You know, let's let's build the the factories here that supply the the medical equipment and make sure as we're building them that they're they're um, running on wind or solar or whatever what whatever technology is out there. Mm-hmm. Let's let's build, you know, the, the 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 clinics that we're going to need and the hospitals that we're going to need and all of the staffing. Let's make sure everybody let's 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 put it together and let's look at it as a diagram of, you know, how many people don't have health care in this area and need it and how many people are do we have right now that can provide health care and how many additional people do we need to add and mm-hmm. and go about it in that way where you're actually building you know, year after year after year until everybody is fully taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't make this public, then they're just playing games with everybody's lives. And it's it's just as bad as, as being, you know, a Republican and saying there's a debt ceiling because you're not calling it out fully. You're not you're not taking the veil off. And if you're if you're not taking the veil off, then then you're playing this game where you have to wear a dress that says tax the rich because uh, you're playing a game and you're in that game. Yeah, and standing standing up to power by yourself is dangerous. Definitely. And that's and why so, I didn't say by right, yourself. Right. And which is why you're saying, you know, fifteen people together doing something to that effect. Yes, of course. That and which is the, the goal of getting people in public to to join that caucus. You know, that that is how you stand up to power. And of course, that's their goal is to prevent that caucus, because that's the beginning of being able to stand up to power. Um, oh, there was something else. Um, I, I don't remember. There was something else as well. Um, and it was very interesting, too. But oh, well. Um, uh, should have written it down. You have your pencil. I should have written it down. 
<laughs> Let me get a pen. No. Um, so, um, so that, that's, you know, and then, and then I see like, um, uh, Dr. Kelton in her newsletter, she'll say, okay, well, you know, we kind of have to play the game because the game is already being played. So let's talk about it in reference to the game. And I'm just, you know, I get frustrated and I'm like, no, like I understand the game is already being played, but why can't we push outside of that? Let's, let's, let's create keep, a new game. Let's create a new game. Yeah. And, and we have enough people. We've trained enough people. And, and, I see, I see it happening. I see that shift happening and I see it happening in the, the next election cycle. I think enough people will run a campaign that is actually um, uh, competitive because it's not just about running, it's knowing how to run a campaign that's actually competitive and enough people will be able to take, there'll be more, you know, Quarry Bushes and Jamal Bowman's and they'll uh, uh, Marie Newman's and they'll come in and we'll we'll be able to build that because we already have this whole infrastructure that we build where all of the candidates are already connected to all the policy writers. It's a great idea. So, what is happening with that? So. I put it out into the universe and I'm waiting for the universe to come back and reply <laughs> to me. I basically have been talking to people about it and saying, okay, I, this is what I want to create. This is what it looks like. And they're like, oh, okay, well, what about the candidates? You know, what candidates? And I'm like, the candidate part is covered. Um, what I need is I need you to be able to write something out for each policy that can be emailed with a bunch of resources that people can go through beforehand. And, and so there, there's, there's a, you know, cause all the progressive candidates are basically interconnected. Um, and there's buzz about it. So it's like, are you attending? Yes. Are you attending? Yes. And so, oh no, I can't make this one, but I can make the next one, you know, and mm -hmm. there's a buzz about it. And so, so I'm putting it out there and I'm hoping that the universe will respond and there will be a group of people who say, okay, this is a brilliant idea. Let's make this happen. Um, I'm hoping it happens through Modern Money Network. And it, that would make it easier for me because all the, all the policy writers are already involved. So I don't have to feel like I'm nagging anybody. Hmm. Like it's already, you're, you already support this. You're already there. So here you go. Here's the next step. This is what you can do. And they want to, it's not like the policy writers don't want to, they would love that. So are, do you, are you still in contact with basically the same amount of candidates as when we spoke last year? It's grown significantly. Hmm. There are so many grassroots candidates, um, there's so many that ran last election cycle and are running again this election cycle, and there's so many new ones. Mm. And if they're able, and and the the ones that are running again, many of them did very well their first time. Okay. So there's a huge chance that they'll win. Uh, I mean, I would start with candidates that are on their second run. I would start with them just because they actually they they can actually win. 
And they've gone through it. And so people who are in their first time will be able to ramp up quicker through yeah. them. And, and you know, what's beautiful is watching them in DM groups. And so the first time candidates will say, like, I, you know, I, I want to pay for signs. This is the quote I got for signs. Is this a regular quote? For, for, you know, lawn signs. Mm -hmm. And a candidate that's already done their second run will say, actually, this is how much we paid and this is the company that we used. Mm -hmm. And so seeing them like help each other in that way, it's, it's so satisfying. Yeah. And it's you, and so you, heartwarming. And you indirectly have gone through this as well. So you can kind of guide that conversation as well, I think, pretty well. But it's, yeah, it's, it, this is a good time. We're in a good place. And so I know a lot of people like to um, focus on how dark everything is, which th there is a side of that. Mm -hmm. I'm not denying it. Mm -hmm. But then they don't look at the light. And Mr. And Rogers says in a crisis, find the helpers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Find the people that are willing to put in the work to create the change. And they're mm -hmm. not just sitting there complaining because the people who are just sitting there complaining and exposing that darkness are just feeding more of that darkness because whatever you're talking about, whatever you're putting out there, you're creating more of that. You know, what do you want? What do you want from this? What do you want from this, this idea of interviewing them? What do you want from them in particular? Like, what are you looking for? What do you want to know more about? from them? Like I, I want to make sure that once they're in office, this is my, my goal. Once they're in office, they're not playing. They're not getting sucked into the game. Hmm. They're not they're getting standing, deceived. They're standing outside of that game. Right. And they're calling it out for what it is. Okay. And, and once we can get candidates to not candidates, once we can get people in office, right. So more than just John Yermuth, you know, a lot of people <laughs> in office mm -hmm. calling out the game for what it is, deception, mm -hmm. and repeatedly, because that's the only way you change things is through mm -hmm. repeat. You have to keep repeating it, keep repeating it, and then things shift. Mm -hmm. So if you can get that repetition, that parrot going over and over and over again through different um, representatives then it starts to fall in place because the rest of them are just sitting there with their mouths hanging open and saying, but what, what about the national deficit? What about our children? You know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, what about our children? You're actually not helping our children now. You're mm -hmm. pretending that there, there, there is a limited amount of money that can help our children and you're actually making our children suffer. You're creating the suffering. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be explicitly said constantly. Okay, so 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 that's that answers the that's question. That's my goal. <laughs> that answers the question of what do you want for these candidates once they're in office? How to best prepare them for when they're in office so they can hit the ground running and not be deceived and create that caucus so that this this community can immediately start expanding both in Congress and also with the general public. So, you know, educating the general public to create more of that of that community so that power can be stood up to. I mean, that's really the goal. So so candidates can have not just the theory, 
but to immediately have the practical knowledge that that theory implies both with policy, but also with the reality of being an elected official, of not being deceived, of standing up to power, of being prepared for that pushback uh, for obviously, you know, those in power don't want this to be known, um, you know, to, to, to spread, to have that caucus so it can spread further. So that's the goal of what you want for them in the long term. So now I'm asking you a different question. What do you want to, to learn about these candidates in these interviews? What you want to, what you want to get out of them and what you want these, what you want listeners, other candidates to get out of these interviews? So most of these candidates I personally know. Okay. And so, and just, just by talking to them through Twitter, you know, you get to know people. Mm-hmm. And so, and I see what they're doing in their communities. And I want people to know that, that there are people out there like you and myself who have been dedicating their lives, you know, to people and the earth who are running for office and have the backing of their community and are, are going to create effective change in their communities. That's their purpose. And I want the public to know who they are, what they've been doing the last 10, 15, 20 years, what they have built, and what made them decide to take the next step, and what values they're coming into office with, and how those values connect to modern monetary theory mm-hmm. and to be able to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's what I want the public to know. And that's, you know, that, that, that's what I want to shed light on because having uh, a group of people, I'm very disappointed about this, <laughs> having a group of people who are making money off of people's sorrow makes me very upset because what they're doing is they're, they're feeding people their worst nightmare repeatedly and they're saying, see, look at this nightmare. So this nightmare applies to everything, like a blank slate. And because it applies to everything, everything is fake, everything is false, and there is no hope, and there's just destitute. That's all. There's just darkness, and I'm mm-hmm. going to f- keep feeding you that and feeding you that and enraging you because that gets you a, that gets a reaction out of you, and it gets you to tune in. Be- and- yeah. Yeah, it, it feeds on the base instinct, base instincts of pessimism. It validates that. Right. So and disparity cr- and loss of hope and, and heartbreak and, and destitute and so and so and so I understand that there are people that profit off of this, you know, for, for their for their their living. And mm-hmm. and so They've created a shift. You know, they saw they saw an emptiness, right? What Bernie Bernie was stolen again, right? And so they saw the emptiness, and they saw that there's okay, there's a lot of hopeless, we could, hopelessness, mm-hmm. and a lot of actions. You know, if you look, there's a lot of actions that you know this person did or that person did, and we can feed off of that. 
right? Mm -hmm. And say, okay, well, you voted for the military budget. So if you voted for the military budget, there's no way you're an M4A candidate. There's no way, you know? And so, and so they can, they can feed off of that. And I want to change that. I want to create like that shift of, wait, no, I can be involved. I can be empowered. I can run for local office. I can, I can, you know, there are other people on my side who are, moving to places of power and we can Mm -hmm. do that together and we don't have to live in destitute. Okay. So, so that's what you want for the public. And maybe, maybe that's part of the answer of the more specific question I'm asking is what do you want for, I mean, you want the public to know that so that they start running for office and partially, you know, so we can. So like that, that, that darkness, that click, that click of destitute is gone. Like I want that because what you think and what you create, Right. What you think is what you create. Right. Of course. So I want their thinking to shift so that they're actually creating something of benefit for themselves. Okay. So that's the general what you want for everybody. What do you want other federal candidates, whether new or experienced or potential, what do you want federal candidates to get out of these interviews? I want them to know that they're there is a force behind them. There is a community behind them that will not only support them, but will will basically hold the legs of the table up so that they can be elevated. And I think that we know... Because everybody's oh. going to ask them, how, well, you, you want to do something for the public, you have to pay for it in some way. You know, not the military budget. We don't have to pretend to pay for that in some way. But anything that helps society, we have to pretend that there, that has to come from somewhere, which means that somebody has to be depleted for somebody to gain. Yeah, and, zero sum. Yeah. So I, I, want, that, I, want, I want that discussion to, to, to happen. Okay. And and how how they're going to navigate that okay. when they're in Congress? That's great. That's great. Because that's the largest thing that they have to navigate. <laughs> say say that last part again. That's that's the largest thing they have to navigate. That's basically what? that's the number one job that they have to do. Which is which is being able to speak upon how they are going to pay for it. Mm. Because all of the policies are already there. They've already been written. They've already, everything's, all the literature is there. The one thing is, all right, so how are you going to enact this? And they need to go in there solid knowing the federal government is able to create the money as long as we have the resources. And if we don't have the resources, the federal government is able to create the money to build the resources. And so, and so I want them to, to be able to walk into those halls, you know, empowered and be able to, to go up there and, you know, when it's their turn to speak, they can go up there and, and, and say, um, speaker of the house or or whoever is, is in charge and holding that congressional hearing. This is what I'm saying. 
And so, and so you have that repeated over and over and over again in congressional hearings and it, it gets solidified and they have the language to be able to do that. That's important. Mm-hmm. Language is so important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and part of what I also want to do is not only do I want to connect them with the policy writers eventually, mm-hmm. I want them to connect them with the language of how they, they, they can say things in a way, you know, that that won't raise eyebrows um, and create to speak more, MMT without without saying MMT. Without saying MMT and also and also without creating further questions, you know, like you've nipped it in the bud. Like mm-hmm. there is no follow up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, well a couple things. A few things, a lot of things. <laughs> um, number one, my podcast is really intended is I make a big part of personal stories of nothing to do with MMT. Of you know, I, I just released my my Fadal interview, which is pretty awesome, I think. Of his personal story, we don't talk about economics or MMT at all in the first half of this interview. And I and those personal stories are important to me uh, because they create the context of oh this person is cool so what they say is valid you know I'm going to listen to what this person says because I like this person so your conversations with these people I I think should have an element of just personal but absolutely I think that's the at least the beginning of it whatever you think ten minutes or something should just be personal just get to know them which in which is valuable but it also makes it easier for you just talk naturally yeah and it also it also grounds them because people a lot of times tend to think that if you're running for office you're not just a regular joe and the fact is is that all of these people right now that are are listening to this work are regular Joes Mm -hmm. and, you know, and bringing that back to, okay, so, you know, where'd you grow up? Where do you live? What kind of work have you done? You know, what kind of activist work have you done? What inspired you Mm -hmm. to, to run for office? How did you suffer? Yeah. How did you suffer? Like what, what were the things that motivated you to say, all right, enough is enough. And And a really big thing is once you get into Congress is to be able to stay an average Joe. Correct. How do you do, how do you do that? Because you are lavished with the intent of trying to disconnect you from your own constituents and disconnect you from the suffering of your own constituents, so that you can start, you know, doing what the powerful want you to do, which is not help the poor. Because now you're privileged and you don't understand what it's like, you know, anymore. So that that is a big part of it as well. I'm trying to kind of get into a, a space where just, you know, regular voters that aren't watching progressive podcasts um, or progressive YouTube are mm-hmm. able to be more ex- exposed to these candidates and these policies. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we have to kind of, you know, we're all just talking to ourselves. And, oh, you know, course. we all we all agree with each other. So so it's all good. You know, we just keep talking to ourselves. And it's like, well, maybe we need to, like, walk outside of that. So I'm trying to walk outside of that to kind of bring more people in so that, you know, their eyes kind of open up a little bit. That it's not just 
blue and red because the blue and red is killing us. You know, of course. Yeah. The, the Joe Mansions and the Christian cinemas of the world are literally our death sentence. Of course. And we, we, need, we need to get away from them. You know, I think there's many, like, as many people that are able to get these candidates on, on stage, because every time you put them on stage, a different portion of the population watches it. And so, and so as many interviews as they can get, let them get thousands of interviews. Like, I hope everybody and their mother starts interviewing candidates. (laughs) Um, It would be great for them because it'll give them a lot of exposure and they need it. They need the exposure because they're not going to get it. There's a reason why um, Booker wasn't able to win against McGrath. And it's because the, the, the Democrats didn't want him to win. And he wasn't able to get the, the exposure and the momentum that he really needed because he had you know $80 million against him. That was given to Amy, mm-hmm. um, and and so if we can, you know, nobody's really. I feel like a lot of people aren't listening. Like I just returned to my cable boxes. I feel like a lot of people don't even watch TV anymore, which is a really great thing because that's where a lot of the.
Today I talk with Ramona Masachi, a year after our first conversation in episodes 47 and 48. Early last year, we worked together to introduce dozens of federal candidates to MMT by coordinating and scheduling them with private sessions with PhD economists. Now, for November 2022, we are overwhelmed with candidates who already know MMT. It's time to take the theory and start applying it to the real world. In addition, it's also time to start preparing for being in office and remaining true to yourself and all of your constituents while there. This is something our electoral and campaign finance systems try very hard to stop. The system corrupts even the best of us. For these reasons and more, Ramona and I have decided to start a series of interviews with these MMT candidates. Our goals are to better understand how they will get into office, how they will manage once in, and what specifically do they need from us as supporters, from their fellow MMT candidates, and from MMT academics. Ramona and I talk about the 2022 campaign and what she hopes to get out of these candidate interviews and what she hopes for them to contribute for publicity, for learning, and for creating a community of candidates that can get in, hit the ground running, and prevent being deceived by, among other things, false economics. The candidate interviews are hosted by Ramona with me as her co-host. After we're done recording, I take care of the editing and post-production. The current plan is to release these interviews with a higher priority than my normal weekly episodes. However, since candidate interviews are only around an hour, my hope is that the normal episodes won't be too disrupted. There will be many primaries in the coming months, with the general election in November 2022. It's time. As I write these words, we've already scheduled seven MMT candidates. If you're a candidate and would like to be interviewed by Ramona, please contact her directly on Twitter at Ramona Masachi or me at activistmmt at gmail.com. If there's a candidate you'd like for us to interview, then please let us or them know. If you like what you hear, then I hope you might consider becoming a monthly patron of Activist MMT. Patrons get early access to every episode and super early access to many. They also get the opportunity to ask my academic guests questions and support the development of my large and growing collection of Learn MMT resources, which you can find at activistmmt.org. To become a patron, you can start by going to patreon.com slash activistmmt. Every little bit helps a little bit, and it all adds up to a lot. Thanks. And now, on to my conversation with Ramona Masachi. Enjoy. <laughs> 